happen. So Matthew 4 and 17 says this. It says simply repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus says repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We ask over these next few moments you would speak clearly to us. We are so thankful to be in your house, so thankful to hear your word. I pray today that our hearts would be open to receive what you have to say so that we can become more like you and see you clear. Because truthfully, we will not follow you closely unless we see you clearly. And so we're asking that you would help us reveal yourself to us through your own words. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. I think, I think the world has done a very um, bad job of explaining Jesus. And of course the world would do a bad job of explaining Jesus because they don't really know Jesus. So it's one thing for us to watch television or to watch documentaries or to watch the History Channel and, and they talk about Jesus. And, and then you get people who are actually professors and, and theological scholars and people with degrees who don't even really understand Jesus. But then you come into the church world and the church world has a very difficult time explaining Jesus. Throughout history, Jesus has been misunderstood. This was his greatest difficulty in teaching his disciples is that his disciples misunderstood him. They spent three and a half years with him and still didn't really get him. As a matter of fact, at the end of his journey with them, he's still trying to explain himself, himself, to, them, himself to them. He's still trying to, this is who I, this is what I came for. They're still having a hard time with it. Peter gets frustrated, walks away, goes fishing. Judas denies him because he thinks he's gonna take over Rome. He's gonna set up a throne and he's gonna rule in Rome. They've misunderstood Jesus throughout history. So no wonder today, a couple thousand years removed from the cross, a couple thousand years removed from him actually walking the earth, no wonder we have a misunderstanding sometimes of who Jesus is as well. The Jews, when Jesus came onto the scene, the Jews thought he was a rebel, he was a fanatic, he was a misfit. As a matter of fact, they called him Beelzebub. They called him Prince of Demons. The Muslims think that Jesus lived, but they think that he was a good man who actually did good things, but he failed at his mission. And Muhammad, their, their, their Jesus, their, their chosen one, actually completed his work. The Hindus believe in Jesus. They just believe that Jesus is one of many, one of thousands, one of hundreds of thousands of gods. The atheists believe that Jesus was invented by men, something that we came up with to comfort us, to, to be a crutch that we leaned on, something that would make us feel better about dying. And the Christians are the worst of all because the Christians think he's the founder of a religion or the leader of our political parties. And it's okay because we're not the first ones to misunderstand him this way. In John chapter 18, verse 36, Pilate asked Jesus, he said, hey, are you a king? He didn't ask him if he was a prophet. He didn't ask him if he was a man of God. He asked him if he was a politician. Are you a king? Because the Jews were saying to get Jesus killed, 
They were saying that he was there to establish a kingdom and overthrow Rome. And they were trying to turn him over to the Romans. Like, look at us. We're doing really good for you because this man is a threat to you. And so Pilate says, are you a king? And Jesus says, well, yeah, I am a king. But if my kingdom were of this world, then my people would be fighting right now. My people would have picked up weapons and they would be fighting you to stop me from being handed over to you by the Jews. That's one thing we've got to learn quickly about Jesus is Jesus doesn't have to be defended. If, if you ever think that violence, if you ever believe that violence is a is a way God would want you to defend him, you have misunderstood God. So can I tell you, even when our nation goes to war, our nation isn't fighting for God. When our soldiers are at war, they are not fighting, they are not the hand of God waging war against other nations. Do you wanna know why? Because God didn't just die he didn't just send his son Jesus to die for America. Jesus died for the whole world. So you misunderstand Jesus if you think that your finger pulling that trigger is the finger of God bringing vengeance upon his enemies. It's not how God works. We've misunderstood Jesus. So Jesus says, no, if, if, if my kingdom were of this world, my my followers would fight. He says, my kingdom is not from here. Doesn't mean his kingdom isn't here. Just means it's not from here. It's counterintuitive. It's the opposite. It's an upside down world to the world that you're living in right now. It's a world that cannot be understood through human wisdom. It's a world that you can't learn about going to college. It's a world that you can't learn about getting a degree. It's a world that is only revealed to you by the Spirit of God. And it operates by spiritual means. Remember, the Bible teaches us that our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. So I'm not fighting with natural weapons. I'm fighting, I'm fighting with spiritual weapons. So there's been this, there's been this misunderstanding of Jesus that I, that I have to fight for him. I have to, when, when the truth and reality of scripture is that he fights for us. Okay, I can tell I'm already offending some people and that was my goal. <laughs> that was my goal. So, so, so here comes Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene and the first message he preaches is repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this word repent is powerful because this word is used not only in Jesus's message, but in John the Baptist's message. John the Baptist preaches, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and Peter preaches, the Bible says Peter stands up and says what? Repent and be baptized, every one of you. That's what the Bible says. So the, 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 the first word from the three most important messages preached in the New Testament is repent. So I think we should probably have a good understanding of what it means to repent. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Okay. 
Now, the word repentance is, is a very simple thought. The word repentance is, is a Greek word that means to change one's mind. And this is important because repentance, of course, it involves remorse, but it is not just remorse. It's not just feeling bad. And we have settled for a Christianity that demands, we have settled for a faith that demands remorse instead of repentance. And so no wonder people aren't really changing because they're not really changing. Just because you feel bad about something doesn't mean you're going to change your behavior about something. How many times have I had to discipline my kids for the same thing over and over and over again? They cried every single time but they didn't change. How many times has God had to deal with me over and over and over again for the same thing? I felt bad, but nothing changed. That's because I didn't repent. I didn't change the way I thought about my sin that led to, it, to, to me walking in a different direction away from my sin. And so Jesus comes on the scene and he says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why does he say repent? Because they had been thinking a certain way for hundreds of years. And they needed to change the way they thought so that they could perceive and understand and receive the new reality that Jesus was bringing. In other words, Jesus was bringing a new way of relating to God. A new way of understanding God. A new way of having fellowship with God. And if you don't change the way you think about fellowship with God... If you don't change the way you think about relationship with God, then you won't be able to receive what Jesus is trying to do. And so he says, repent. Don't just feel bad about your sin. Don't just feel bad about what you've done. Let's change our minds about where we've been going. Now, Jesus. So, so you have the definition for repentance. But also, Jesus defines himself. Jesus defines himself. Just in his name, it's a definition of who Jesus is. The name Jesus is derived from a Hebrew word, Yeshua, which means to save or to deliver. This is what defines Jesus's ministry. And if it isn't about salvation and deliverance, it's not about Jesus. Okay, all right. This is... And, and, and the reason I have to talk about this is because, because what I found out over this past year and a half is that religious people are some of the most dangerous people on the planet. And so we have to explain Jesus because if not, we'll become a religion when Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. Jesus never claimed to be a part of a religion. As a matter of fact, all, all of the religions have, have tried to claim Jesus, but Jesus has never claimed to be a part of any religion. All the political parties, they try to claim Jesus, but Jesus has never claimed to be a part of a political party. Everybody wants to use Jesus as their mascot, but Jesus is nobody's mascot. And religious people are dangerous because very often religious people lack discernment. And people who are religious are, <laughs> are susceptible to believing things that have never been tested. And what I found out about religious people is that the source of the information is not important. 
What religious people want is information that confirms what they already feel and want to believe. This is why religious, this is why religious people hated Jesus because he refused to confirm what they already believed. He was antithetical to them. He was the opposite of him. They didn't oppose him because he was against sin. No, they were against sin. They opposed him because he was against their idea of who he was. And they wanted to kill him for it. So, so what I found out is that as, as American Christians, very often, we don't care about the source of information. That's why someone named Q, who you've never met and verified, could convince you that Donald Trump was leading some sort of government resistance, that he was going to uncover some pedophilia ring, some child sex trafficking cult that was going to, and that he was going to use the, the military to overthrow the government. And when it didn't happen, Christians thought that they needed to invade the Capitol to make it happen. God and country. When God isn't from here. I said, my kingdom's not from here. I'm from somewhere else. And, and, and in, our, in our American minds, it's very difficult for us to separate God's kingdom from the United States that we live in. It's very difficult for us. Even when I was growing up, I went to Christian schools. And in Christian schools, I would stand and I would pledge allegiance to the flag. Don't, not the left hand, right hand. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. To the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And don't you dare leave under God out of it. And then, and then on the other hand, I get in a, in, a, in a Christian flag. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag. Right? So I'm pledging allegiance to America, and I'm pledging allegiance to God at the same time. And what happens is those two begin to intertwine themselves. And I start to think that God is an American. And that God's kingdom operates like a democracy. And that I actually have an opinion on his word. Oh, man. I get to vote on what the Bible says. I get to pick and choose out of the Bible what I want to do and what I want to live by and how I want to see it and how I want to perceive it. And then I get to define who Jesus is. So someone with a code name deceiving you because it doesn't matter what the source of the information is as long as the information confirms what I already feel. I already feel like something's wrong with them people. I already feel like something's bad about them. It, it confirms what you want to hear. This is how the enemy works. Deception. But he, he doesn't deceive you deceptively. He deceives you right to your face. He gives you what you want. <laughs> what, 
We do this all the time. We're at our house and we'll be talking about something and then all of a sudden we'll get on our, our social media and you'll start scrolling through your social media and you'll start to see the very thing that you were just talking about. Like if you're talking about exercise, you'll start scrolling through and you'll see Peloton, Bowflex. You mentioned vacation, next thing you know, you're scrolling through and you're like, the Bahamas? Hotels are 50% off? And you're like, how? They're listening to you. <laughs> They're listening to you. And watch this. They're framing a world according to your words. This is what the enemy does. He frames a world according to your thoughts, your beliefs, and your words. And you're deceived not because he was deceptive. You're deceived because you get what you want. We think, we think the enemy shows up as this big lie because he's a liar and the father of lies. No, the lie is that he offers you what you want and you think what you want is the thing you really want. But it's not what you wanted at all. And so Jesus has to come on the scene and he has to say, repent. Because not only are your thoughts wrong, the reason you think what you think is wrong. You see this word in the Bible, precepts. Precepts. Pre, before. Sept, thought. Pre, precepts are the thoughts before the thoughts. God doesn't want to just deal with your thoughts. He wants to deal with why you think what you think. Repent. Change the way you have been conditioned to think. And the reason most of us think the way we think is the culture we've been raised in. We didn't consider the source. We didn't consider that our grandma was bitter when she told us that men are bad. We didn't consider that the source of the information might be flawed. That's why when you come to church here, don't believe it just because I said it. Test every single thing I say. If, if, you, if you are visiting today and you're a part of a church where the pastor thinks that he is the beacon of truth and you should trust his words altogether, you are in a cult because no flawed human being has captured truth perfectly. I believe things in 42 that I didn't believe when I was 22. I have been changing. See, repentance is not a one-time event. Repentance is a journey that we take throughout our lifetime where we are deconstructing the things that we have always just been told. Just believe it. Why? Because dad said it. Okay, why do you believe it? Because my mama taught me. Why do you believe it? Because my pastor said. Well, what about the source of all truth? What about the word of God? But we're too lazy to go to the source of truth. We want to listen to people who say they represent truth. Oh, but man, most of the time they don't represent truth. 
Because the news doesn't just tell you what happened. They tell you what happened and then they tell you how to feel about it. They don't just tell you, oh, today they voted on this bill and it passed. Then they say, and this is why you should be ticked. And this is why you should hate the other side. And this is why you should be afraid. All I have to do to control your life is find out what you're afraid of. And then I play on your fears. And pastors and church leaders are some of the best at this. They, they find out you're afraid that God won't love you, and so they play on that. And they make you feel every week that God doesn't love you unless you come to them. And then they'll tell you how to fix it between you and God. And as long as you have a relationship with your pastor, as long as you have a relationship with your priest, you and God are okay. But can I tell you that Jesus didn't die so that I could stand in the middle between you and God. Jesus died so that you could walk right into the throne room all by yourself. You don't need me for access to God. You don't need me for the truth. You can go right to the word of the. Oh, my goodness. Source doesn't matter. Just tell me what I want to hear. Paul told Timothy, this is what's going to happen. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, he said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn their ears away from the truth and shall be turned to fables, to myths, to conspiracies. And they'll listen to prophets, false prophets, who will tell them what they want to hear. So if you were leaning one way in the direction and a prophet came along and said, hey, your guy's going to win. You said, that must be the word of the Lord. <laughs> Feel it in my spirit. <laughs> and now the false prophets are having to make excuses as to why their words didn't come to pass. The Bible teaches us that if somebody prophesies and they say something's gonna happen and it doesn't happen, don't listen to them anymore. There's one prophet out there who prophesied Donald Trump was gonna win the election. And in 2008, the same guy said Hillary Clinton was gonna win the election. Hillary Clinton ain't never been president. In the year 2000, that same guy was trying to sell generators because Y2K was gonna end the world. Y'all remember Y2K? Y'all remember something crazy was gonna happen between December 31st and January 31st? The clocks weren't gonna flip over and the power systems and the structures of our governments and everything's gonna fall apart. This guy was running around selling generators. And people are still listening to him. And now, now he's saying, yeah, I was right. My prophecy was right. Trump won, but it was just stolen. If God said, if God said Trump was going to win, even if it got stolen, Trump would have won. Because God's word comes to pass. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help. Because so many Christians right now, they're following all of these voices and all of these sources and they haven't considered the source. I'm not your, listen, I'm your pastor, but
but I am not the source of truth in your life. Fox News is not the source of truth. CNN is not the source of truth. Talk radio is not the source of truth. Let God be true, every man a liar. What that means is every man has the capability of lying. And even when he doesn't lie, what he does is he shifts the truth to his advantage. So he only tells one side of the story. That's why Proverbs says every, every story sounds good until someone tells the other side and sets the record straight. I don't want you to be deceived. As your pastor, I don't want you to be deceived. I don't. I plead with you. Test what I say. Test it with God's word. Be like the Bereans who, who in the Bible, they even tested what the disciples, what the apostles said. Let's go check this against the word of God. What does the word of God say about this? And there are prophets in the land today, people who say they're prophets, who are putting their words on the same level as God's word. Using scripture, no word that God speaks falls to the ground. His word will not return to him void. Yeah, his word, not yours. God is not obligated to do what I tell him to do. To fulfill my desires. As a matter of fact, a lot of times prophets prophesy their own vain hopes. Jeremiah 23 and 16 says, Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hope. They speak visions from their own minds. Not from the mouth of the Lord. In other words, behind the scenes, they're a Republican. <laughs> behind the scenes, they're a Democrat. And they have a desired outcome. And when you have a desired outcome, you can falsely think that God is on your side. I'm sure Babylon was not the desired outcome of God's people. But the prophets kept coming and saying, hey, you're going to go into bondage. Well, that doesn't sound like the God I serve. He wouldn't, he wouldn't let us be taken captive by Babylon. But that's what God said. And then what happened? God did what he said. Questions are not the enemy of your faith. Certainty is. Don't believe a word until you've doubted it. Because tested faith is the only faith that can be trusted. Listen to me. You're not saved just because you grew up in a Christian household. You're not saved just because you went to church. You're saved because you have had a personal relationship, personal encounter with Jesus Christ, the rescuer, the deliverer. 
So repent. 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 Change the way you've been thinking about God. Repentance is the the repair of our belief system. I'll never forget, a few years ago I was talking to someone. I was, I was trying to share my faith and they just didn't want anything to do with it. I was like, I was like listen, I'm gonna let you go, but before I, before I walk away, can I ask you, why are you so, why are you so guarded? Why, why, are you, why are you not receptive to this? Why won't you just listen to what I have to say? Man, he said, man, listen, I've heard all this stuff before. Truth is, God's mad at me. God doesn't really care about me. I'm like, who told you that? Where did you learn that? You invite somebody to church, I can't come to church, I don't have, I don't have the right outfit. How many people have I invited to church over my lifetime who said, I, I don't have the right clothes for church? Who told you that? Hey, hey man, you need to give your life to Jesus. I, I'm not, I, I, I don't have it all together. Who told you that? I can't, I can't serve God unless I'm perfect. Who told who told you that? And, and if the world, people that are unsaved, are struggling with bad information, where did they get that information from? From Christians with bad information. Because some, somebody's aunt said, hey, you, you, you go out to that club, you'll die and go to hell. You been drinking? You been drinking? You been smoking? You'll die and go to hell. You cussing? You better not wreck your car. You wreck your car, you die and go to hell. This is what God Jesus crucified. Was he came to teach a new way of thinking that was opposed to the religious way of thinking. Because your belief system is how you interpret information. It's how you interpret what you see, what you hear. And your attitude is the conclusion that you've come to because of what you believe. So you learn from your thoughts, you believe your thoughts, you behave according to your thoughts, you become your thoughts. Proverbs says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm living on the level I believe. And then we come to conclusions. Here's the problem. We come to conclusions based on our thoughts. And the problem with conclusions is that we would rather die in our ignorance than swallow our pride and live. And what Jesus is trying to teach us is you cannot become beyond your belief system. You are living on the level of your beliefs. You are living what you believe about God. That's why A.W. Tozer said, what comes into your minds when you think about God is the most important thing about us. So what's the answer? The answer is let's let Jesus define God for us. Not our mama, not our aunt, not our uncle, not our grandma. They all have good intentions. 
but I need a relationship with God for myself. I love my father. My father is an incredible human being. Can I tell you something? In his 60 plus years of living, he has been wrong more than once. (laughs) And he has stood on this stage and been wrong more than once. I have stood on this stage over the past year and been wrong more than once. Why? Because I'm a human being. I've missed it. I've misinterpreted it. And what I have to do is I have to continually live a life of repentance. It's not an event. It's a lifestyle. I'm constantly repairing my belief system. So John 1 says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He bounced down a couple more verses. It says, and the word became flesh. The word there is, is not interpreted Jesus. It's understood as Jesus. But the word there is the Greek word logos, which means basically the voice of God or God's, God's thoughts expressed. This is what the Bible says. In the beginning was God's thoughts expressed. And God's thoughts expressed became flesh. God's mind became a person. So if you want to know what God is thinking, listen to Jesus. If you want to know what God feels, listen to Jesus. If you want to know what God thinks about the lost, listen to Jesus. If you want to know what God thinks about your friend, listen to Jesus. If you want to know what God thinks about your enemies, listen to Jesus. Whatever you want to know about God, you see in his word, in his logos, in his son, you see it in Jesus. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him also he made the universe, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. He sustains all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven, so he became much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. God says, I used to speak to the prophets. I used to speak to them and I used to speak to your ancestors that way. But in these last days, I have chosen to talk to you through my son. If you wanna know what Jesus is saying, don't go to the prophet's page on Facebook. Don't go to the prophet's website. Go to the book that is the word of God. It's the logos, it's the express, it's the thoughts of God on paper. It's the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain forever. Prophets will come and prophets will go. Preachers will come and preachers will go. But the word that God has already released will last forever. You can count on it. You can depend on it. You can build your life on it. You can trust it. You can. Will you stand with me? Stand up with me if you would. Luke 9 and 35. Jesus is being transfigured. He's going to another level of glory. 
The Bible says in Luke 9, 35, that as this is happening, a voice from this cloud comes and he says, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And then after the next verse says, and everything else, everybody else just faded out. Jesus was all, Moses was gone, Elijah was gone. Only Jesus. Moses, what did Moses represent? The law? What did Elijah represent? The prophets? Does that mean that people can't still prophesy? No, it just means that when people prophesy today, what they prophesy is confirmed by the word. All of this predictive stuff, let me tell you what's gonna happen in 2022. What good does that do us anyway? I wanna hear what God's word says. Because God's word will get me through a season when the person I wanted to get elected doesn't get elected. Only God's word can get me through a season when what's happening in the earth doesn't line up with what I feel, what I want, what I expected. Only God's word. All false prophecy does is fill me with vain hope that things are gonna work out the way I expected them to work out. So Jesus was a problem. He was a problem for the culture because he defied so much of what they had learned in their culture. Comes along, he's like, first shall be last, last shall be first. Not on my job. Not in the sports world. They don't give out trophies for last. I guess today we get out trophies for people just showing up now, but so that, maybe that's where they got that from, I don't know. No, that doesn't work in, in the college I'm trying to get into. First shall be last, last shall be. That didn't work in the internship I applied for. It's countercultural. It's upside down. Jesus said to them in Mark 7 and 13, he said, you nullify the word of God because of the traditions that you have handed down. Where did you get that? From my mama. Why do you think like that? Well, my dad always told me. And we're out there like Forrest Gump. Life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> And we've turned fables and myths and legends into doctrine. He was so frustrating because in Matthew chapter five and 19, he said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom. He's, he's saying to the people who are trying their hardest to be holy, it's not good enough. So no wonder people who felt like they were far from God felt close to Jesus. Because religion makes people feel far from God who don't measure up. And it makes people who do all the stuff feel close to God because they think they're meeting all the standards. When Jesus comes, he flips it on his head and the people who thought they were close to God pushed him away. And the people who thought they were away from God came closer. God has always been a God of people who feel far away from him. If you're in here today and you say, I don't feel close to God, he's your God too. 
So no wonder they wanted to kill him. He told them, you're wrong. No wonder some people are mad at me this morning. I told you you're wrong. We don't want to hear that because we are so flipping convinced we're right. And we're out here dying on hills God never died to give us. Jesus spent three and a half years trying to fix the belief system of his disciples. Even at the end, when he's headed to the cross, the Bible says he set his face to go, to be crucified. (laughs) They wanna go in this one town and stay the night, and the Bible says that the town rejected them. They wouldn't let them stay there. And the disciples come to Jesus, and they're like, hey, listen, this town, uh, they said we're not welcome. Um, You want us to call fire down from heaven and kill them all? (laughs) What? You're like, that's crazy. Yeah, but you did the same thing on Facebook this political season. You turned everybody who didn't believe like you into your enemy. And you wanted God to take out your enemies. I was, in, I was, I was on an online Zoom prayer meeting. And this pastor was like literally asking God to destroy a certain party. Destroy them. They're full of murderers and killers. They love abortion. Kill them. If it was up to you, we wouldn't have even had most of the New Testament because you would have thought Paul should have been killed. Because before Paul got saved, he was a terrorist. What what does a good old American think we ought to do with a terrorist? Kill them. Not according to the kingdom, because you would have killed Paul. You would have killed the writer of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians. Repent, because the kingdom is different. It's different. It's contrary to the way you're thinking. And they didn't like this about Jesus, and this is what got Jesus crucified. He was opposed to the way they saw him. So Jesus says to his disciples, he says, you don't know what spirit you are of. Basically saying, where did you get this way of thinking? For the Son of Man did not come, watch this, to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Who? Everybody. The whole world. Do you know that Jesus died for Osama bin Laden? What would be better today? A dead Osama bin Laden or a converted? But when you think Jesus is a king of an earthly kingdom, you think the best answer to deal with his enemies is to kill them. Jesus thought the solution to dealing with his enemies was to die for them. 
It's upside down. So listen. Don't make Jesus your mascot. Don't put him on the badge of your cause. Don't put him in your logo if you're not going to let Jesus be who he says he is in his word. And we'll have more next week. So Father, in Jesus' name, we're asking you that we would be able to clearly see your son. Help us to understand Jesus. Is America wrong for going to war? No, America is a nation. It's an authority that God has allowed to be in the earth. And that nation has to defend itself and those people have to defend themselves. That's understandable. Scripture teaches that. But God is building a different kingdom. As a matter of fact, when Jesus comes and he begins to reign in the earth, Daniel teaches that he is the rock that was hewn out of the mountain with no hands. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And his kingdom will demolish every other kingdom. Yeah, there is coming an end to America. There's coming an end to Russia. There's coming an end to China. And we will all be subject when Jesus returns to his rule and his reign. But right now, his kingdom is not of this world, but it is in this world. Jesus even said, pray, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can have days of heaven on earth, but heaven is not reigning in the earth right now. So it is our job to expand this kingdom. So we have to repent for the way we have portrayed our king. Help us, God. Help us. Help us to make a decision to make your word our source. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. I need to let you go so we can get to the other service, but I love you. Thank you for being here. And if you need prayer, you don't have to leave the building. We'd love to pray with you. Our team will be up front to meet you. Love you. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.